I walked into the studio one day laughing and she said, what are you laughing about? And I said, somebody outside just asked me if I was an artist. And she said, what did you say? And I said, I said, no, of course. What do you think I said? And she said, Susan, have you looked at your work lately? Mm. And that was the day I found out I was an artist. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Hey there, this is Miriam Shulman. You're listening to episode 176 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Today's guest focused on experimental art. Her work has been exhibited throughout the United States, Europe, and in Australia. Her work has also been featured in Professional Artist Magazine in the US and Australian Artist Magazine. She began painting at 50 and studied with carefully chosen mentors who were talented artists as well as master teachers. She currently lives in Los Angeles in the South Bay area and has painted for over 20 years. Please welcome to the inspiration place, Susan Cohn. Well, hi, Susan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Miriam. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to see you today. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So let us catch our listeners up because it's kind of a big deal that you started at 50. I don't know too many people who switch directions and then stick with it for, I want to say, 20, 28 years. Is that right? It is correct. Yes, exactly. Okay. And you're con- and what's really amazing, which we're going to unpack today, is not only have you committed yourself fully to being an artist, but you continue to challenge yourself and add new and new... I'm trying to find a new word for challenge. It's really hard for me without the thesaurus. Like when I'm writing the books, like, oh, what's another word for challenge? And I'll just look it up. Um, yeah. you're, you're continuing to challenge yourself with both your art and your art career. And you just don't seem to let your age stop you. So let's, but let's dial back first and set the stage to how you discovered art 28 years ago. Well, 28 years ago, um, my husband got sick. And I was, I had a business and I loved it and was um, doing fine. But we, his doctor said he needed to move to a quieter community, which meant I had to sell my business, which I did. And we moved to a smaller community and I didn't know anyone. And I didn't have a focus because I'd been in this business and it was gone. What was that business? Um, I had a promotional agency. Okay. I just want to make sure my listeners know it wasn't an art business. It wasn't an art business. I I was in in public relations and marketing. And I have a a master's degree in business. So that's my background. So here I was, a business person without a business. And... Not very happy. (laughs) And my husband and I went to a fundraising auction for a little theater that was going to under. And there were these four art lessons on a silent auction. And he bought them for me for $20. 
Did you ask him to buy them for you or he just decided? He just bought them for me. What a great story. He thought that I I was working on a children's book because I like to write. And he thought that I would like to learn to draw. So he just he just bought them for me and presented them to me. And I said, I don't have any talent. I don't do art. And he said, well, why don't you just go and see what it's about? So I did. And that was the moment of of my find, starting to find a new life. And what kind of art was it then? I know that probably had nothing to do with the kind of art you do now, but what was those no. first classes? Um, the first classes were drawing a sphere and just trying to get dimensions and shapes. And I had a giant pad of... Uh, of newsprint and I was drawing these giant simple shapes and just trying to learn how to control a pencil and make a tube that looks like a tube and a ball that looks like a ball and a box that looks like a box and I did that for a couple of weeks and then we went on you know we worked along and at the end of the four weeks I said to the teacher, well, do you think that I can do some, learn to do some stick figure kind of things to show somebody that I want them to illustrate my book kind of in this way? And she said, I think you can. Why illustrate the book or, or do no, the no, stick figures? Do the stick figures. Okay. So, no, I wasn't anywhere near illustrating a book. I was just saying, here are my ideas. Can I put them down on, with a simple... I think maybe Shel Silverstein kind of drawings was my fantasy that I would be able to just do some pen drawings. Well, of course, they're fabulous, but I didn't know that at the time. And so she said, sure, and and sent me to buy some acrylics and some brushes and supplies and started teaching me how to paint some childlike things flat on a canvas. So I started developing characters in in a flat style that was very simple. And after a few months of that, my teacher said to me, you know, you're doing a really good job, but I think it would help you if you did a more serious painting. And she sent me back to the art store to get oils and gave me an assignment to do a real painting with dimension and and a lot of technique. And that painting took me, I think, two months to do, mm. working on it every day for two months. So it's, I'm making a, a long story longer, but um, I ended up with a master teacher with these four art lessons. And after a year of going every day, every week, for a lesson and then painting every day in between because I felt like I had to catch up with everybody who had been painting for years that I didn't have the same kind of skills they did. I walked into the studio one day laughing and she said, what are you laughing about? And I said, somebody outside just asked me if I was an artist. And she said, what did you say? And I said, I said, no, of course. What do you think I said? And she said, Susan, have you looked at your work lately? Mm. 
And that was the day I found out I was an artist. So when did you make the leap, though, from somebody who is an artist because you create art and what I like to call an artpreneur, somebody who is now going to monetize your art or offer it for sale? Tell us about when that moment happened. Well, I said that I had a master teacher and she is incredible and is still a good friend uh, these many years later. And she at that point started saying, I think you should put this painting in the National Date Festival. And then the National Date Festival piece won a second place after a year of thinking I couldn't do anything. And so and then she'd say, let's go into this show. And we both go to an outdoor show and I'd start selling pieces. And I was just astonished by this. But she could see it and she kind of guided me. And, and that's how we moved along working with her. And after another year, she said, I can't teach you any more of the direction you're going right now. And she sent me to the next person. Oh, that's awesome. But when did you start selling your art? I sold art. Jane Beeman, who was that first mentor, had a, a studio with a school in it and then had little small studios for artists. And so she put me, she gave me one of the studios and there was a weekly art walk. And as soon as I was in that studio and participating in the art walk, I started selling art. Okay. It was after only a year. Do you still remember the first painting you sold? I do. I remember it. Yes. It was an abstract called The Wedding. It was, it was, I don't know, maybe five by seven or eight by 10. And um, a couple from out of state wandered in and fell in love with it and paid what for at that time for me was a lot of money for it. And I was just amazed. I was amazed. I loved the painting, but so that somebody else loved it too was was pretty astonishing to me. Is it ever hard for you to part with art when it's for sale? It used to be. In those days, it was very hard because every painting was a lesson. So that I sort of line them up and say, okay, I learned this here and I learned this here and I learned this here. So it was kind of my notes. And after a while, I just said, you can't do this anymore. You have to really be able to let these let these these things have their own life and go to a new home. And that's actually one of the most amazing things about being an artist is seeing how these paintings that start on the easel turn into something else. You know, that it's a communications and you put so much into it. And then when they get framed and placed in another home in their in the art, the art has its own home now yeah. and it's removed. I've been invited to see how it, my work looks in someone else's house. And it's astonishing because it completes the communication cycle. Yes. And it takes on a completely different feel and meaning. And it goes into its own life. It's so wonderful. Art, um, when it hasn't been placed in a new home, is like a cat without whiskers. 
Exactly. Exactly. That's such a good way of saying it, Miriam, because, yeah, because you don't you don't finish the cycle. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to fast forward. We're going to talk about your your books and then we're going to fast forward a little bit more and talk about our work together and the L.A. Art Show, because there's so many lessons to unpack there that I think a lot of the listeners are going to really love. So let's talk first about your decision to write the book, The Art of the Mentor. What made you decide to write a book? I've always been a writer. I came out a writer. I used to, when I was a little girl, I used to sit up late at night and fold up pieces of paper and and put pa- other paper on it and write pretend novels. And and I, I always thought I was a writer when I was seven years old and eight years old. And I, so, I, and when they asked me when I was little what I wanted to be when I grew up, I said I wanted to be a poet and I was serious. Mm. <laughs> so, so here I was, I had, um, I had just lost my husband. And I hadn't written the book I wanted to write. And so we had COVID. So I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And it just seemed like the moment when I could write a book. And I sat down and and it came out. It just came out. And why why that book? Why Art of the I know Art of the Mentor is autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And it tells the story of both your your love your love story with your husband. So it's like a love letter to him, as well as I would say a love letter to your teachers. For sure. For sure. I am so grateful to them, to all of them, to my husband and to all those teachers, these wonderful mentors that I had who've just given so much of themselves to me. Because it opened up a whole world to me. And art means, it means more than a subject to me. It's, art's like a meditation. It's where I go to be comfortable. I'm 78 years old, and uh, that's before my birthday next week. And so things sometimes hurt. And uh, when I'm painting, there's no pain. And when I'm painting, time doesn't have any, I don't have any sense of time. It's just a place that I go that's satisfying and it's a happy place for me. And I can be, I'm creative and I try new things and my age doesn't matter. In fact, I think it's an advantage. By the way, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free training, how to sell more art without being Insta famous. So if you were disappointed with your art sales in 2021, let's fix that for this year. During this masterclass, I'm dropping lots of gems, including why your success isn't measured by your social media following and what's really going to move the needle when it comes to sales. You can ditch all those unnecessary time-sucking social media platforms and get more of your studio time back and dig beyond the starving artist mindset to uncover what's really sabotaging your results. 
To choose your showtime, go to shulmanart.com forward slash sell more art. And now back to the show. Yeah, which brings us to your next book, which you just finished the first draft of. And you shared with me this book will be released in April of 2022. Is that right? Yes. As of now, that's about when I think it'll be out. Okay. So so just so you know, Susan, like you wrote the entire book while I write, wrote chapter 10 of my book. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about it a long time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because... You know, I have this, I have this favorite book that is not, that I did not write called I've Decided to Live to 120. And what that means is not necessarily that we're going to live to 120, but it's living as if we're going to live to 120, which puts us in a position to really live every day as fully as we can. Because we don't know really how long we're going to live. But if we see 120 take away 78, there's a whole lot of years to fill up. And it's time to kind of think about what am I going to do with all that time? Am I going to sit and watch television? You know, I'm, am I going to take pills? Am I, you know, am I, am I going to have things operate? I don't know. For me, it. The idea of being able to be creative and productive and to constantly grow in, in my learning and in my contribution to the world. Yeah. It's really exciting. And so I can think toward 120 and it's not relevant except that it opens the world to me. I love that philosophy. Um, I shared that with a friend of mine who, so I'm 53. My friend's a little older than me, but not much. She's, I think she's 58 or 59. And she just got an MFA in poetry. She wanted to be a poet. I love it. Right. So um, she had said to me how she was comparing herself to her peers in her program who were in their thirties. And she's Mm -hmm. like, well, I'm in my fifties. Like, I was like, well, I don't want to use her first name because I don't have permission to use it. We'll just say her name is Cheryl, which isn't her name. Cheryl, uh, you could live to 120. (laughs) You may may not even be halfway there. So what I love about you, Susan, so I get so many emails from people saying, I can't do this. I'm I leave me alone. I'm 70. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have a client who's turning 79. So I don't know why you've given up. Right. Some of us haven't given up yet. Yeah. Yeah. And why should we? Right. Why should we? And I actually think that's really the true meaning behind there's a Picasso quote that it's easy to be an artist when you're a child. The hard thing is to be an artist when you're an adult. And I think it's usually interpreted or maybe he even meant it that it's about creating naive art. It's easy to create that naive art when you're young. But for me, it's Mm -hmm. always been that idea of they, as you know, you, you have so much ambition when you're young and it's harder to have that as you get older. So the challenge is to continue to have that same ambition when you're older as when you were younger to do all those things. And I admire you so much for having written two books. Mm -hmm. So the spring will be out in April. And now I want to move into some of the work we've done together over the past year. So let's start off by Susan, why don't you share with people who don't know Tell them about 
the LA Art Show, what it is, and why it's such a big deal. The LA Art Show has come to make LA a major center for art. It's a big art fair out of LA, and it keeps getting bigger and more important. And it's not easy to get into it. And I decided once again, I had my life changed and I was making new decisions of what can I do because now my life's changed and I have to figure it out. So I developed a a plan of what I was going to do and I presented it to them as a proposal. And they have a committee that decides whether you can get in. And there was some back and forth, and they were excited with my idea and accepted me. So I took a 12-foot by 40-foot booth like a crazy person. Yeah, which, I was which very is, ambitious. Which is gigantic. And what I told them that made them want me in the show was that I was going to do a 30-foot installation, that it was going to be a dark tunnel filled with lighted art and lights and sound all interacting. And then I spent the next whole bunch of months trying to make that up. (laughs) So So you didn't know when you said this, if you would actually be able to do it, you just had a vision and you figured you'll figure it out. Is that correct? I, well, I had a sample that I played with and we, 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 I set up a sample and my son took a video of me with it. So we, we had done this little tiny sample, but they fell in love with the idea. And when I was actually at the show last summer, which the show got postponed from its normal time because of COVID. So I had a little more time than I would normally have had to do it. And we had lines of people waiting to get into this tunnel. It was pretty interesting. And people were going, I had a fantasy that people would dance through it, really enjoy it, run, get their friends and come back and do it again. And on the last day of that show, my fantasy was realized because we had lines of people. That's fantastic. Yeah, if you want to see Susan's tunnel, you can see um, videos of it on her Instagram channel. Is that that's correct, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it. Okay, mm-hmm. and your handle is at Cohen Art. Is that right? Cohen underline Art. Okay, at Cohen underscore Art. We'll make sure we link to her Instagram in the show notes. So you get the exact correct the right Susan Cohn when you, when you go over there and uh, we'll make sure that you see it. It was spectacular. So a lot of her art, I'm going to describe it and I'll, you can also help me describe it. So a lot of the art that she presented in the show is she is very tightly curated. A lot of the art was um, I would say it's ink on, on mylar ink on plastic. Is that right? Ink on plastic, yes. Okay. It's usually clear plastic, so sometimes I'll use a mylar so it'll reflect. Yeah, which is what made the light show so spectacular. So sometimes the lights were behind the plastic and putting the colors everywhere. Sometimes it was a, it was around, and it really was a truly three-dimensional experience, like an installation piece. 
the other thing that I really liked about Susan's art is it, it does have a connection to art history. So the two connections that I made with Susan's art would be both with the installation artist Yayoi Kusama, who does installation pieces where it's the experience of walking through, such as her infinity room. And also with Jasper Johns. So the Jasper Johns exhibit, which uh, was at the Whitney, I believe it's no longer there. At least it won't be there anymore when, when this goes live. He also painted ink on plastic. And that was one thing that I was sharing with you, Susan. I was like, oh, this is how yes. he describes it. He describes it as ink on plastic. And it made your art very modern and very relevant. I know that wasn't necessarily, his art wasn't necessarily even an influence, but it you share that place in art history with both of those two artists. Which, you know, I have this fantasy, Miriam, of standing on the shoulders of the artists that come before and having young artists come after me and stand on mine. And... That was one of the times when you sent me to see the Jasper, Jasper John exhibit where I just felt it happening. And the other thing that happened was at the L.A. art show, people filled out a form and and wanted more contact and had questions and things for me. And so there were some young artists who came to my studio after that. And I felt that. Pete, they were starting to stand on my shoulders. It was, you know, they were so appreciative and they had lots of questions and it was uh, pretty wonderful for me. Yeah, you you did a, a really great, it's called marketing technique that I want you to share with our listeners because it was very powerful. So this was the idea of creating the contest. Would you like to describe that and share more? Yes, I... Sort of at the last minute, I created a card that was uh, like a treasure hunt of the booth. And it listed the different ways I used ink on plastic in the booth, but to do to look different and to do different things. And so people could pick it up and walk around and check off boxes and then put their contact information and put it in a box. And I said that they would win Either the winner would have win a studio visit or a small painting. So I ended up with a lot of studio visits because we had lots of winners. Yeah. So I remember, Susan, you telling me, well, I picked a winner and it was so great having them to my studio. I'm going to pick another winner. And they were like, but, let's make them all winners. They were all, yes, we did. And I had so many people come through and Really, of all of them, there was only one that was an uncomfortable situation. Everybody else, and there were a lot of them, were wonderful. That I had these incredible interactions with people. I met these fabulous people of all ages who just really came in and exchanged ideas and loved seeing what the studio and asking me lots of questions. And had ideas for me about selling and where to show and and sort of got involved in being part of my art. That's fantastic. Okay, so now 
You're currently in a gallery in New York City, Vanderplas, and you were in there previously in, I want to say that was October that you were also at the gallery? Yes. Yes. Okay. And by the way, there were more men coming up to Susan to talk to her and flirt with her than there were people coming up to me just to show like, there's it's such a myth that, you know, with the youth and beauty, there's something very empowering about owning your own worth and space and how attractive that is. And it's not because, by the way, Susan was, this was in a group show. There was nothing to distinguish that Susan's art was in the gallery versus my art being not in the, I wasn't in the gallery, but there was nothing to distinguish that. They were coming up to you because you were throwing off this aura that was very attractive. And part of your willingness to take these risks and to continue to grow and to continue to evolve, it's just so attractive. Well, thank you for that. I didn't really think, um, I think the most fun person who came up to me was a young man. He was probably in his 30s, about six feet tall and, and good looking. And he, and he came over and he whispered to me, you look great. <laughs> you look fabulous. You're the best looking woman here. He said, I'm a hairdresser and I know. And he walked away. Yeah, it was amazing. I, was I know, crazy. like, but it wasn't like it was an isolated incident. There were several like really good looking men who all approached Susan. And I was like, I want I want some of what she's drinking. <laughs> I mean, I'm happily married. That's not like the point. The point was just like your your aura was just so magnetic that night. And I know you were very proud of what you accomplished. Yeah, I I was proud of it, but I also I had a good time that night. It was it was really nice because to come to New York and have friends and family there with me who all came and just supported me. I was I was just in awe. I was very excited by that that um with by all the people who took their time to be part of my experience. And it's turning into a relationship with the gallery. I I mean I was was in my second show there this month. I didn't go, but um because I had a lot of things going on here. But I'm feeling like it's beginning to be a, a relationship that'll be valuable. Absolutely. And I know that you being in the gallery led to additional interest in your art from your email list. Yes. Well, and they, the, the way that I got involved with the gallery was Instagram. The gallery saw my work on Instagram and contacted me. Now, is that and, because you were part of the LA art show or? Did well, I did you? the Instagram because I was doing this whole push last year with my book and with my art and and with the LA art show. So I didn't have really much social media involvement because I didn't understand Instagram. I didn't know how to do it. So I had to, I had to learn what it was about. And I'm still not sure I know, except I know that I'm working with a gallery in New York because of it. And so it's, I'm willing to keep doing it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, so why don't we why don't you step now into the role of the mentor? 
Mm-hmm. And let's talk about what were the lessons that you learned in 2021, either through me or through being part of the LA Art Show or, or anything else you want to impart? Gee, 2021 was such a big year for me because it was my first year as a widow. I had a lot of time to, and COVID was, I had a lot of time to fill. And part of my grieving process, I think, was to stay busy and maximize my time so that I didn't get morose and try to figure out who I was and who I would be going forward because I'm inventing a whole new life. You have 40 years ahead of you and look what you've accomplished in the last 28 or 29 years. All right. So finally, to wrap this all up, I want to make sure that you check out Susan's amazing art. You can see that at coneart.com and also her two books, The Art of the Mentor, which you can find on Amazon, but we'll put the link to that in the show notes and her forthcoming book, The Spring Principle. The Spring Principle. Perfect. Okay. Which will be available in April, 2022. Susan, do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? I do. And I think what it is, is if I could do this, you can do anything. And I hope that you'll live your life fully every day. We just, we have this life and every day is a gift. All right. That's beautiful. All right, my friend, don't forget, if you like this episode, you have to check out my free masterclass. If you want the same success as Susan, you can go to shulmanart.com forward slash sell more art. All right, my friend, because the friend is the listener, but thank you so much for being with me here today. Miriam, thank you so much. Um, We've been talking all year and you really helped me to grow this year when I really, when I needed it so much. And thanks for having me today. It's, it's just great. Well, it's super fun. And I'm sure everyone got a lot out of today's conversation. All right, my friend, thank you so much for being with me here today. I'll see you the same time, same place next week. Stay inspired. You'll find links to everything we talked about in the show notes at shulmanart.com forward slash 176. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com.